You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. And so this morning we're going to talk about some of those hard cards. What do we do with those? What does God want to do with those hard, difficult cards uh, in our hand. Before I do that, though, I want to just take this opportunity to remind all of you, invite you uh, to come back here this afternoon for our annual congregational meeting. We only do this uh, once a year, uh, right here at two o'clock, right here in this room, Board of Elders, the Board of Deacons, uh, trustees will be kind of presiding uh, over the meeting. They're going to be kind of going through year-end financial stuff from 2018, presenting a new budget. Uh, They'll be taking uh, just uh, opportunity to kind of update you on changes to the bylaws. We'll also kind of be electing uh, our new uh, trustees, elders uh, for the coming uh, year. And so while voting's really only open to members of the church, everyone is invited. They're welcome to come and sit in on uh, and listen. So I hope you'll take that opportunity of coming uh, this afternoon and supporting our leadership as they kind of just share with you Uh, in the business of our church. Also, tomorrow night, 6.30, right here in the sanctuary, we're continuing our study, our prayer time, uh, as we continue to kind of learn from the story of Nehemiah, how that kind of applies to us. Tomorrow night, we're gonna be looking at chapter seven, and just a word of caution. As you, if you've not yet gotten into chapter seven yet, um, it's a lot like chapter three. It has a lot of names, okay? And we kind of get started on that list of names and usually after like the second or third line, we kind of go, what is the point? We blow through it all. Um, and so chapter seven's got a lot of names uh, because basically the wall's been completed, the gates have been hung, they're in business. Walls have been restored, and so one of the things Nehemiah feels led to do is to really kind of just figure out who all's here. Um, And so they kind of begin to construct a a genealogy. They kind of update this, Um, and part of the purpose of that is, is that as a Jewish person, your genealogy was very, very important to you. If you wanted to say serve as a high priest, you had to show that you had the pedigree or that you had the, the genealogy to do that. If you wanted to be a worshiper, you had to prove you were from the tribe of Levite. And so again, what they would do is go back to that genealogy to kind of determine, are you in the proper line um, for that? And so there was a reason um, for all of that. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, tomorrow night, but I just kind of wanted to give you just kind of a pre-war Warning, if you've not yet gotten into chapter seven, it's a lot of names, but again, we're gonna focus in on that. We're gonna ask God, what is it you want us to see from this particular uh, chapter? So I encourage you tomorrow night, uh, 6.30, uh, in between now and then, kind of read through uh, chapter seven of Nehemiah. There are two things that really are true of all of us. There's more than two, but I, the two I wanna focus on this morning that I think we all have in common, and that is one, and every one of us is going to suffer at some point. Every one of us are going to get dealt cards uh, that we don't like, we don't want, we don't know what to do with. Every one of us suffers.
suffers. Most of us are gonna suffer more than once in this lifetime. We break a leg, we lose a job, we flunk a test, we wreck the car, the house burns down, we blow an interview, miss an appointment, bounce a check, get a speeding ticket. I mean, difficult, unpleasant things happen to every one of us. None of us in this room are immune from that. That's number one. Number two is most of us will do whatever it takes to avoid suffering. We'll pay our bills, we'll buckle up, we'll watch where we walk, we'll try to watch what we eat, we'll prepare for the interview, we'll study for the exam, we'll do whatever we have to do to avoid suffering, yet in spite of the best of intentions, no matter how diligent and steadfast you are in that, we still encounter difficulty and suffering in our lives. Now, there's two ways you can suffer, both fairly and unfairly. And sometimes we suffer just because we're simply getting what we deserve, okay? Other times we suffer because we're getting what we don't deserve. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. We've been in kind of a series in and out, I would say probably more out than in, but uh, here we are. And we've been kind of doing this series on yes, but, and We talked about when it comes to that little word, it's very, very small, but it is also a very, very powerful word. That little word, but. I mean, it effectively says whatever has just been spoken is about to be altered or undone. Whatever follows that word, but becomes the ultimate truth, the ultimate reality. It really becomes the foundation we're gonna build from. We've discovered that that one little word, but, I mean, if that word is spoken at the right time, in the right place, in the right situation, to the right uh, person, it can literally become a life-changing, life-transforming word. And throughout the series, we've kind of acknowledged and we've kind of looked at some things that are definitely true, that are not necessarily positive. They're true, they're just oftentimes not very good. For example, there are times when you get the short end of the stick. Times life is not gonna be fair. But we also discovered that what some may mean for evil, God intends for good. We looked at Joseph's story for that. Compared to God, we're all sinners. All of us are worthy of death. The scriptures are very clear about that. But God in his grace, but God in his goodness has chosen to give us the gift of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life, free of charge through Jesus Christ. And yes, there are times we really don't know what to do, We don't know what decision to make. We don't know which path to take. But if God is your heavenly father, if you are connected to God in an intimate relationship, he'll guide you. He will direct you. He'll order your steps. He'll make a way where there is no way, knowing that that little word, but, is one of the greatest words in the Bible. And I kind of want to talk about a situation that I'm probably sure a lot of us, including myself, really don't know a whole lot about. 
But I think if our society continues on the trajectory it's on, we're gonna start to experience, we're gonna start to encounter this before too long. In 1 Peter, Peter, who being one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, walked, lived, talked, observed, watched everything Jesus said and did. He's writing in 1 Peter to a group of Christians, to a group of believers who are under severe persecution for their faith because they dared to believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. They chose to believe that he came from the Father, that he was co-equal, co-eternal to God the Father because they chose to believe and to live their lives from that truth. They came under very severe persecution because it was such great news. They just couldn't keep it to themselves. They had to share it with others. And in the sharing of it with others, they encountered extreme persecution. They were not lawbreakers, they were law keepers, okay? They were law-abiding citizens. They were not troublemakers, they were peacemakers. They didn't hate anybody, they loved everybody. Interestingly, they are living their life the way most of us really try and want to live ours. In verse 13 of 1 Peter 3, he asked this question, who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Now again, that's a kind of a rhetorical question. Generally speaking, if you try to do good things, if you're a good person, people are gonna treat you in a good way. We're good with that, we like that. If you stay true to God, you stay out of trouble for the most part, isn't that kind of the way we think it should work out? Yeah. If you watch the speed limit, you generally don't get a ticket. I don't, at least. If you pay your debts, you tend not to get into financial jeopardy, right? If you pay your taxes, you don't really have any skirmishes with the IRS. If you watch your diet and exercise, you're generally going to be healthier than the average person who doesn't. We get that. And we're good with that. Most of us really try to live a good life. We try, we strive to be good people because we want life to be a good experience. But some of you could attest today, life doesn't always work out. It's not always fair. Some of you may be sitting there thinking, pastor, let me tell you my story. Somebody took something from me that didn't belong to them and I can't get it back. Somebody said something about me that wasn't true and I ended up losing my job. I ended up losing friendships. Somebody did something to me that's not right and there's nothing. I'm powerless to do anything about it. I did everything right and yet life just turns out bad for me. I don't doubt that there may be some of you sitting there this morning and you're thinking you have every right to be bitter and disappointed. Maybe some of you are even angry at God this morning because you did get the short end of the stick. You did get kicked in the teeth and you were treated unfairly. Welcome to life. If you live long enough, everybody is going to be able to blame somebody for something that went wrong. It's nothing new, it's not anything that's unique to our generation. 
What we're going to see today is that God, and this is the beautiful part, this is the wonderful part, this is the good news of the message today, is that God can use the bad things in your life to take you from maybe bad or good to great and awesome, right? God can use the bad things, those bad cards, those unwanted cards, those difficult cards in your life. God can take them. God has a plan to take you from being a victim to becoming a victor. And think about it this way. When you're being treated good for doing good, we call that fairness, right? If I do good and I get good back, that's fair. If I do bad and get bad back, you know what we call that? Justice. It's just, right? You do bad and something bad happens to you, right? That's, that's the way it should be. And we call that justice. So when good things happen because I'm good, that's fair. We love that. We like that. When bad things happen to me because I'm bad, that's justice. But here's the thing, and here's the difficult part, and this is where we kind of get that bone stuck in our throat. When you're treated badly for doing good, do you know what the Bible calls that? Blessed. Okay, uh, two of you got that, or, or at least appreciated that. I'm just gonna tell you, is what the Bible says. When you are treated badly, when you are treated unfairly for doing good, for being fair, for being right, for being just, the Bible calls that blessed. Listen to what 1 Peter, verse 14, but even if you should suffer for what is what? Right. If you should suffer for what is good, you are busted. <laughs> No, you're blessed, he says. Now, Peter's kind of just actually, he's kind of just repeating and he's kind of just rephrasing something he heard Jesus say earlier in Matthew chapter five. And Jesus said, blessed are those of you who are persecuted because of what? Righteousness, for doing right, for being right. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for that. For theirs, yours is the kingdom of heaven. See, some of you kind of feel when that happens to you that, 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 that the kingdom of hell. No, 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 no. The kingdom of heaven is being released over you. Blessed are you when people compliment you. No, that's so easy, anybody can do that. I can feel good when somebody says a nice thing to me, but man, I can go into a tailspin like nobody's business when someone says something bad or an insult to me. But listen to what the scripture says. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. How many of you like that? No. 
But how many of you know, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, that comes with the territory. You better get used to it. It's a part of being a follower of Christ. Rejoice and get even. No. You know what it says? Rejoice and be glad. Why? Because he tells you why. Because great is your reward in heaven. Well, pastor, what if I don't want to wait until I get to heaven to get my reward? Well, I'll tell you what. You get your reward here. It's temporal. It ain't going to last but your lifetime. But those rewards you get in heaven, they're eternal. And they will, they will last forever. So just go through what you got to get through to get there, to get that reward, and it will be eternal For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is nothing new to you. This has happened throughout history. It's happened throughout the Bible. If you don't believe me, read it. You'll see it for yourself. Anybody can accept good when you do good. Again, that's fair. Anybody can accept bad when you do bad. Again, that's just. But the real challenge, the real question for us today is, can you accept bad when you do good? Do you know what to do with the bad that comes upon you when you're really striving to just do the good, the right, the just thing? How do you take the burden? And it is a burden, it's difficult. I'm not gonna stand up here and lie. How do you take that burden of being treated unfairly, treated unjustly, being persecuted, and turn it into a blessing. How do you go from being just good to great in the kingdom of God? See, if you don't know how to do that, or maybe you're kind of one of these people and you just have somehow escaped all suffering in life, I'm about to tell you that it's gonna come to an end one day. So you may not need to know this today. I'm just telling you, there's coming a day when you're gonna need to know what to do with this. And Peter shows us four ways to kind of respond and to react in this situation. First is just keep your confidence complete. You know, you're one of those people and you kind of, you know, take that situation, you've dotted every I, you've crossed every T, you've done everything you know to do in that situation. You, you went by the book, you know, you did the right thing, you took the high road, you loved Jesus, you know, you took off your coat and you gave him the other coat, you walked the extra mile with him, but you still got kicked in the teeth. You did the right thing. Everybody else in the office did the wrong thing, but you are the one that got fired. What do you do with that? You were faithful to your spouse, but your spouse wasn't, Laos I almost said, but that fits. Uh, (laughs) But your spouse was unfaithful to you. I mean, and you took the financial hit in the settlement. You lost the kids. You stood up for what was right, you spoke up for what was right, and now you're taking heat for us. Peter tells us in verse 14, but. There's that life-changing, that life-altering word, 
but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. People are going to do bad things to you even when you do good things to them. And there's nothing you can do about it. All you can control in that situation is your reaction, your response. I have no control over what you do, how you do it, but I have complete responsibility for how I respond, I react in the situation. You know what? I may only be 2% responsible for what happened in that difficult situation. I bear only 2% of the responsibility, but I bear 100% of the responsibility how I react, how I respond in that situation. People are gonna say bad things about you, things that are not true, even though you have gone out of your way to say good things about them. People are gonna take advantage of you even though you have treated them kindly and justly. And it doesn't matter. Bible says when you do good, when you're treated badly, you are blessed. How in the world can suffering for doing what is right be a blessing? Well, again, skip down to verse 17, and he says, for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. There's one thing you can always, always, forever know when you're suffering unjustly. There is something you can always, always know. You can be confident and steadfast, um, and that is whatever is happening, when you are being treated unfairly, when you've done the good thing, is one thing you can know is, man, I'm right in the center of God's will because I've chosen to do the right thing. I've chosen to do the just thing in this situation, even though it's not been done to me. When you do that, man, one thing you know is you're in the center of God's will. So you gotta ask yourself this question. Do you believe that the God that loves you so much that he sent his one and only begotten son for you to die for you so he could forgive you, give you eternal life, do you believe that that God always wants, wills, and desires what is best for you. If you believe that, then you also have to believe that the most blessed place to be despite the circumstances of life, despite what got you there, is to be in the center of God's will for your life. One thing we can always know in those difficult circumstances, in those most unjust and unfair times we find ourselves in, I know that I know I am in the center of God's will for my life. And I'm gonna just share with you a principle. You don't hear anything else I say this morning. I want you to remember this statement. What you suffer is not as important to God as why you suffer. What's more important to God is not the what you suffer, it's the why, because he's got a plan for it. He's got a purpose for it. 
He's trying to teach you something. If you're suffering for not doing evil, for doing good, not only are you in the exact center of God's will for your life, but you are most like Jesus because the ultimate example of suffering evil for doing good is the cross of Jesus Christ. The clearest example of someone who did the right thing, said the right thing, acted justly, acted righteously, but ended up dying a sinner's death upon the cross was Jesus Christ. So he understands completely where we are at. He understands fully our struggle in this. And since we're in the suffering neighborhood, let me say, if you're suffering bad things, because you've done bad things, God has not turned his back on you, okay? I'm just gonna speak from my own personal experience. What I went through last year, I did some bad things, okay? God did not turn his back on me for a moment. Now, there were times where it was tempting to feel that way. But we don't walk by feelings, right? We walk by faith is what the Bible says. So when you suffer bad things because you've done bad things, God has not turned his back on you. Do you know what he's doing in the midst of all of that? He's disciplining you. We talked about that a um, couple of weeks ago. If you're his child, you're going to be disciplined. And because God loves you so much where you're at, but he's not going to leave you there, he's going to try to, you know, again, grow you. So oftentimes God will just kind of begin to discipline us when we do bad things. Again, he's not gonna turn his back on you. Now, when you suffer bad things, for doing good things, God hasn't turned his back on you then either. Do you know what he's doing? He's maturing you. He's growing you. And the reason why a lot of us are stuck in our walk, now I'll just be honest with you, I, I've known Christians, I, I'm not talking specifically here, but I've known Christians that are the same, they're in the same place spiritually now they were 20 years ago. There's no growth, no change, no transformation. Because see, when they, you know, bad things happen to them because they're doing bad things and God moves in to try to discipline them, to try to bring them out of that, to bring them to that better place, they kind of go into a self-pity, self-victimization. Oh, poor me. Look at what God's doing to me. Oftentimes when you suffer bad for doing good things and God's trying to mature you, again, we kind of go into this thing, well, where's God? God's not fair. God's not good. God doesn't love me. And we kind of get into this pity me, poor me, I'm the victim, no. When you suffer bad things for doing good, he's trying to grow you. He is trying to mature you. And you gotta choose. 
Do I cooperate with that? Do I step into that and say, yes, God, I trust you. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why all of this is going on, but God, I believe you've got a bigger plan, a bigger purpose in all of this. So God, I'm just gonna trust you. I'm gonna step into that. Prosperity, those good times, they're not gonna teach you that. Pleasure isn't gonna teach you any of that. Do you know what's gonna teach you that? Pain, difficulty, challenges. I'll I'll tell you right now, the two biggest things that God is gonna use in your life to discipline you and to grow you, to mature you, are difficult situations and difficult people. I sometimes wonder, God, why don't you just get rid of them? Why don't you just get rid of the difficult people? Again, this, it, it, none of this happens. No growth takes place in the prosperous good times. It all takes place in the difficult times. None of this happens in the pleasure of life in the pleasure of relationships, all of this happens in the pain, in the difficult people in our lives. So what do you do in those times when you're suffering for doing good? Verse 15, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Now that word revere, I got that up there on the screen, it means to set apart. It means to separate or to put in a place all by its lonesome, all by itself. In other words, the first thing you gotta do when you are in a situation like this, when you're, you're getting bad for doing good, you gotta fill that room up with Jesus. First thing, that's, that's revering Christ in your heart. I'm just gonna fill my heart with nothing but Jesus. You know what? It'll drive out every other bad thing you're thinking about doing in the midst of that. The way you turn your fear into faith is to change your focus. I'm not gonna look at this bad situation. I'm not gonna look at this difficult situation. I'm not gonna focus on this difficult person. I'm gonna focus on Jesus and what will come from that is faith. If you look at someone who is doing bad things to you, and you get focused and obsessed on that, you're gonna have fear. But if by faith you'll look at who is on the inside of you, because the scripture says, greater is he that is in you than anyone, anything in the world. You get that focus on who is on the inside of you, you're gonna have faith. Fear is when you come to believe that others are in control. Faith is when you come to realize that Jesus, no matter what, no matter when, Jesus is always in control. Now, we're halfway through and I'm, we're out of time. So, but anyway, I think, you got a good, I think you got a good lesson this morning. 
I think for some of you, this might be about as far as you can go this morning. No, seriously, I, I think, man, get, get this down, and we can go on to the rest. But you know what? You don't get this down, the rest of it doesn't matter. This is first and foremost the important thing. You got that. Work on that, and we maybe come back to this next week. Let's pray. Father, we just again thank you. There's so many things that we can thank you for. And God, again, it's, it's easy to sit here and to thank you for all the good things, the blessings, the positive things that are going on in our life. God, that's easy. Anybody can do that. You don't need a whole lot of faith, a whole lot of theology to be able to do that. We're pretty much hardwired that way. When it's good, I'm good. You're good. But God, when it's bad and I've been doing good, that's really difficult and for some of us, it's been that place where we just have struggled. We've not had a lot of victory. Yet this morning, I, I just thank God again, you want to bring some deliverance. You want to bring some healing here this morning. You want to begin to break some bondages. I just think that there are wrong mindsets here this morning that you want to deal with and you want to break and you want to heal this morning. And so, God, we yield. We open ourselves. God, if it is discipline that we need, God, discipline us. If it is maturing that we need, mature us. But, God, we got to understand you have a way of doing that. Because your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. And your word says, God, that we are blessed when people persecute us. We are blessed when bad things happen to us in spite of doing good and being good. We are blessed. Father, make that our mindset. Make that our foundation or at least a part of our foundation this morning. That God, we begin to walk out of here not as a victim, but a victor. We walk out of here this morning not as someone who's been conquered, but someone who is a conqueror, more than a conqueror, Paul says. So this morning, Father, I just again, I invite your power and your presence into our lives this morning to do what only you can do. And Father, I just thank you, Lord, that no matter what is happening in anyone's life here this morning, I'm not trying to minimize anything. I'm not trying to say put lipstick on it, make it look better than it really is. No, no, no. God knows where you're at. He knows how you're struggling. But I want you to understand, and we thank you, Father, that you have a plan and a purpose for where we're at, what we're struggling with, what we're going through. And God, help us again to put our faith, our focus, to set our eyes upon you this morning. To make you Lord of all. Lord of all the good, Lord of all the bad, Lord of all the wanted, Lord of all the unwanted. Lord of the easy and Lord of the difficult. And we thank you that your word says there is nothing impossible with you. So Lord, just ground our hearts in these truths, the truth of your word, the truth of your character. 
We just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.